Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, if you haven't already, please consider following us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Oakwin Analytics. One word. And sign up on our website at oakwinanalytics.com for updates on blog posts and new podcast episodes. And let me just say this real quick. We have kind of fallen behind on blog posts with Everything we have going on at our house, we're in the middle of a move and end of school is, you know, it's, it's the been end crazy. of the school year. Yeah, it's been crazy, but we're about to get back on that. So don't worry. I haven't forgotten. All right, Kervin, <laughs> what's on your radar this week? All right. We're going to do the Russia-Ukraine update as we've been doing for the past few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got confirmation of NATO's expansion in the region. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about a possible coup in russia and we're going to go over that um ukraine tabs a new head of defense in the country uh we'll talk about russia's attempts at hacking costa rica what (laughs) yeah exactly that's i know that's way out in left field there (laughs) staying you know in in that area uh from central america to south america brazil actually gets ahead of possible election rigging in their country <clears throat> um, Somalia reelects the uh, president. Uh, we'll go through protests in Chad and how Mali has withdrawn from the G5 Sahil. And then this week's history's mysteries will go to the, uh, we'll talk about the Roman speculators. Speculators? Speculators, yes. Okay. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss the Russia Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine war update. How are things going on in eastern Ukraine? Well, it's another week of back and forth between Russian and Ukrainian forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, it looks as if that quote unquote swift victory that Putin has been looking for is so far unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, the battle of Mariupol has become a victory for the Russian military because this week hundreds of wounded Ukrainian soldiers were evacuated by bus. And by my estimation, Mariupol has fallen to Russian control as of this week. Oh, no. The location was the source of fierce battles for weeks, uh, but indiscriminate bombing of civilian locations proved to be the tipping point in this battle. And that is what you believe will be a common occurrence since Russia has been unsuccessful in its military operations? Yeah, I mean, I really do. Uh, There's a track record of atrocities towards civilians from at least this Russian regime. Are you talking about Syria? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, yes I am. Um, And let's go through a little, just a short history lesson of that conflict. So in the autumn of 2016, Russia began a bombing onslaught of Aleppo in Syria Mm -hmm. uh, that was described as war crimes toward the civilian population. 
Now, the Human Rights Watch Violations Documentation Center described airstrikes as recklessly indiscriminate. Also, at least one medical facility was deliberately targeted, Mm -hmm. uh, and there were reports of the use of indiscriminate weapons such as cluster munitions and incendiary weapons. Now, if these all sound familiar, it's because these actions are already taking place in Ukraine. And it's worrisome for the civilian populations as the war of Russian aggression sputters along. Um, Any word on Ukraine's chances of becoming a NATO member? Last time we discussed this, President Zelensky was furious with NATO and said Ukraine would no longer even attempt to join NATO. Yeah, so in a poll prior to the invasion in mid-February, Ukrainian citizens favored NATO membership 62% to 30%, with 8% unsure of what that means. Yeah. Now, the the question is complicated to answer uh, because it takes more than just a country wanting to be part of NATO to get membership. We've Uh, seen that. Yeah. We've seen that happen. (laughs) A country has to show that it would actually benefit NATO as a member. And and honestly, Ukraine has some things to fix before it can be value added to the alliance. What problems does Ukraine have that need to be fixed before they can be accepted to NATO? First, uh, Transparency International, which is an anti-corruption watchdog, gave Ukraine a 32 out of 100 points on its corruption perceptions index and ranked it 122nd out of 180 countries for 2021, which is lower than any NATO nation. Uh, Accepting a country with such a low corruption ranking could prove problematic. Um, Also, Ukraine is in a war with Russia at this moment, and if they were accepted into NATO— that would then trigger Article 5 and put NATO at war with at least Russia. Uh, those are the two biggest hurdles that they're going to need to uh, to finish up and get over right now. Okay. Um, as a nice segue into the next update, what is going on in regards to Finland and Sweden's desire to join NATO? Yeah, so this week, Sweden and Finland have uh, officially and finally confirmed that they will apply for NATO membership. Uh, let's. I'm not going to downplay this. It is yeah. historical for many reasons. So first, neutrality is now yes. not on. Yeah, yeah. So you you got it right. Sweden has stayed. They stayed neutral in World I War Two. About I know about my <laughs> Scandinavian countries. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so they stayed neutral in World War Two, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for more than two centuries, the country has avoided joining any military alliance. Mm-hmm. Now, Finland shares an 810-mile border with Russia. And a before problem. Putin, yeah, <laughs> before Putin's invasion of Ukraine, it had stayed out of NATO as to not provoke its neighbor. And that it being Finland stayed out of NATO. Yeah. Now, I want to be clear. It is Vladimir Putin who has done more to invigorate NATO than any other leader in the last three decades. Thanks, Putin. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so adding Finland and Sweden will increase the chances of World War Three. Yeah. But as the old saying goes, if you want peace, prepare for war. And right now it's time we all prepare for that scenario. Oof. That's not very good news. No, it's Would not. Would a possible coup change the landscape of the war? Um, It could. Uh, but honestly, it looks to me as if it's more of a, like a PSYOP campaign than an actual mm-hmm. plan. Oh, Okay. Uh, is there a coup attempt in the works? Of course. Uh, I'm sure yeah. there's multiple. I'm, I'd predict multiple coup attempts in the planning stages as we speak today. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean any of them will come to fruition. Uh, the majority of the Western world wants an end to this war and to the aggressive acts by Vladimir Putin. 
Now, coup attempts happen all the time. In 1944, Klaus von Stauffenberg, a German officer, and multiple other conspirators attempted to assassinate Adolf Hitler inside his Wolf's Lair Field headquarters. Now, that was Operation Valkyrie, and it was not successful, and the war continued into the next year. That was that movie with Tom Cruise, right? It was, immortalized by the great... And the terrible accents, everyone made fun of the accent. They're like, why is everyone British? (laughs) But it was a real operation, and it was unsuccessful. Yeah. Well, that kind of puts those reports into perspective. So we will continue to monitor this situation, obviously. What is happening with Ukraine and the new head of territorial defense, though? Yeah, so this week, Ukraine replaced the head of its territorial defense forces Mm -hmm. uh, nearly three months into the war with Russia, and the the country did not give a reason why. Um, oh. The defense ministry said Ukrainian President Zelensky had appointed uh, Major General Ior Tansiora uh, to take over from Yuri Halushkin mm-hmm. as commander of the forces helping the Ukrainian army defend the country following Russia's invasion. Do you have any info on the new leader? Well, there is very little information about Ior, um, at least in open sources. Oh, okay. Before being tapped for this role, he was the chief of staff, deputy commander of the land forces of the armed forces of Ukraine. And prior to that, he was the first deputy commander of the joint forces operation. Igor has spent time as the head of the 169th training center for land forces in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine did not give a reason for the move, but do you have any intel on what may have happened there? Uh, I do. Some analysts speculate it was uh, due to some egregious miscalculations during the current conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yuri's been accused of sending the 109th and 110th brigades into combat without adequate armament. Uh, Now, the 109th Brigade was the unit that was fighting for weeks in Mariupol that we spoke about earlier in the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, good luck to the new commander. Let's keep the conversation about Russia and talk hacking in Costa Rica. (laughs) Here we go. What can you tell us about that story? They obviously know something about Costa Rica that we don't. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Yeah, and we're going to get into that here. Besides it being beautiful and tropical and, you know, all that stuff. Okay, yes. No, that's the stuff we know. (laughs) Please tell. Yeah, that's what we know. Please tell us what we might not know. So the new Costa Rican president, Rodrigo Chavez, said Mm -hmm. Costa Rica is, quote unquote, at war with the Conti cyber criminal gang, whose ransomware attack has disabled agencies across the Costa Rican government. What is the Conti ransomware? Uh, Well... Let's talk about ransomware first, which is... Ah, uh, here we go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> please, please don't skip ahead. <laughs> I'm not. I, I need to know this stuff too, please. <laughs> uh, so ransomware is a type of malware that threatens to publish the victim's personal data or perpetually block access to it unless a ransom is paid. So oh, that's why I call it that ransomware. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
I get it. <laughs> now, more specifically for the question that you asked, uh, mm-hmm. Conti, the, that ransomware, has improved the speed at which it implements its software and is known to have infected the entire Microsoft suite. Oh, wow. Yes, this is uh, far. Big deal. This is expansive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the group maintains a site where it can post damning information leaks Uh, So a U.S.-based cybersecurity company called VMware has done an extensive write-up on Conti and how to protect your systems. And I am going to link that in the show notes for everybody, as opposed to reading directly, because I know people are already probably going to sleep right now. Uh, Yeah. I'm not going to get into the technical terminology and put you guys to sleep. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Well, thank you for giving us that information. What is the goal of Conti in Costa Rica? Uh, So the group released this statement. Here's their quote. Okay. We are determined to overthrow the government by means of a cyber attack. We have already shown you all the strength and power. You have introduced an emergency. That's the end of the quote. Now, the Costa Rican president was installed only a couple of weeks ago. And it appears Uh, that you got something. No, 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 no. Okay. I I was just interjecting a little. uh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah, Sorry. so it was, it's only been a couple of weeks and, um, mm-hmm. it appears that the Russia back hacking group is looking to dissolve the government and install their own pro Russia government in a country about 2,300 miles from the United States border. What? So this group wants to install a pro Russian government in Costa Rica. That's yes. what they think they need to do. Yep, it's uh, okay. They're getting making all this happen while the U.S. is struggling to tame the migrant crisis on the southern border. Mm-hmm. And this move could provide Russian intelligence agents with easy access to the southern border of the United States. Well, that could be a political geopolitical game changer. Yeah, and another story that we will definitely need to keep track of for future episodes. We will stay in the hacking realm, but move on to Brazil. What is that country doing to prevent election fraud? So this week, more than 20 hackers participated in a government-sponsored hacking event in the Brazilian Electoral Authority's headquarters. Uh, They had one goal, infiltrate the nation's voting system ahead of elections in October. Oh, wow. I want to be clear, because this has been a yearly occurrence in order to keep their voting system safe. Oh, okay. But it is being thrust into the public news cycle because of comments from Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, Mm -hmm. uh, that the election could be rigged in favor of his opponent in this October's elections. Well, were any of the hacking groups successful? So according to the electoral authority known as the TSE, Mm -hmm. uh, the hackers were unsuccessful and the systems worked actually better than the authority expected. That's awesome. Now, that is amazing and, however, will not be the last we hear of election fraud in Brazil or elsewhere uh, because gaining power, yeah. you know, we talked about how to keep power. Yeah, you got to have money. Yep. Got to, what was the other thing? There was You got to control else. the population. Got to, okay, well, that's the truth. Yeah. We should stick with the election conversation, but move to the East African coast. What do you know about the elections that took place in Somalia? Uh, yeah, so Hassan Sheikh uh, Mahmoud, who actually mm-hmm. served as Somalia's president between 2012 and 2017 before being ousted, Uh, won the contest in the capital, Mogadishu, amid a security lockdown imposed by authorities to prevent deadly militant attacks. 
Uh, the 66-year-old Mahmoud is the leader of the Union for Peace and Development Party, which commands a majority of seats in both legislative chambers. Uh, Somali, oh, Somalia had reached a May 17th deadline to hold an election. Otherwise, the international community would no longer help fund projects in the country. The election results do not come as a surprise to most of the world, as no sitting president has ever been elected to two consecutive terms in the country. Oh, wow. Now, President Hassan has the daunting task of countering the growth of uh, al-Shabaab, the terrorist group wreaking havoc on the region. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it's not just Somalia affected if al-Shabaab is provided a safe haven in the country. You've got Ethiopia, Djibouti, and Kenya as border nations who are fearful the terrorist group will continue violent actions in the region. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I had to finish my thought. Yeah, let's hope that he's successful. Staying in Africa, what is going on in the country of Chad? So uh, we've been discussing this a lot over the past few weeks, uh, the French actions within the Western Sahel. So uh, this week... The more protests against French forces in the country, which have escalated, uh, with protesters demanding the French leave the country. Uh, The protest was called by Chadian civil society coalition Wakit Tama to denounce France's backing of the transitional military council that seized power following the battlefield death of Chadian president Idris Deby. Mm -hmm. The protesters also shouted their support for uh, transitional president, Mohamed Idris Dibi Itno, who's been in power since his father's death, who we just talked about yeah. five seconds ago, in 2021. It seems as if the people there want to be left alone. Why does France continue to keep a presence in these African nations? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, because France claims it's providing security for the people of Chad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the younger generation of Chadians want to move away from hundreds of years of colonization from the French. Uh, understandable? Some, yeah, very understandable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some within Chad do not see the benefit in allowing France to maintain a military presence in the country. Uh, the problem is the Western Sahel in Africa is in a major conflict with the likes of Boko Haram and Al-Qaeda. France is concerned that those groups will take control of the countries in the Western Sahel providing a safe haven for terrorist movement, and that could spill over to France itself. So the French could, however, reconsolidate its troops in an effort to prepare for a looming global war in the European Union. Um, We discussed how Macron won re-election in France. Mm -hmm. Now he's got a lot of work to do to actually keep that nation safe, but also financially stable. Now, staying in the Sahel, you mentioned Mali had resigned from the G5 Sahel. What, how is that changing the geopolitical landscape? Yeah, and this ties into our previous conversation as mm-hmm. the G5 Sahel force, which includes troops from Niger, Chad, Burkina Faso, Mauritania, was set up to counter the armed groups we just spoke about that could really change the landscape of Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, Niger's president, Mohamed Bozoum, said... Mm-hmm. The decision meant the Sahil force was now, quote unquote, dead, further destabilizing the region. There's a lot of tough stories to talk about in Africa. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not great. Uh, but this could be a huge moment for the continent moving forward. Now, that continent continues to be taken advantage of by the West, China, even Russia. Yeah. And these countries are basically stealing resources because, honestly, they provide zero advantage to the people on the continent. 
uh, for example, and I've seen this firsthand. Yeah. China is underbidding contracts in the region. They remove all the necessary resources and then leave without providing infrastructure that could really help advance some of these struggling nations. You mean they're only out for themselves? Oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's commonplace, and I I don't I don't it's, like it. I don't agree with it. And we yeah. are going to continue to track this, hold those nations accountable as we can, and I hope yeah. we have some good news pretty soon. Yeah, that would be a nice change for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that. Are you ready to discuss this week's histories mysteries? I certainly am, and uh, this week. We're going to go deep into the historical archives to discuss not ma- not one man, not one woman, not a single pigeon, oh, which we've done in the past. I do like the pigeon, but the pigeon we're gonna story. T- <laughs> <laughs> An entire unit of intelligence experts. And this group was instrumental in keeping Rome a geopolitical powerhouse for as long as it was. Mm-hmm. And they are the uh, the Roman speculators. They were the scouts and reconnaissance element of the ancient Roman army. Oh. Some of their techniques, which were considered extremely advanced at the time, are known for being commonplace in today's world of espionage. Uh, Some texts describe the uh, speculators as the plain clothes wing of the Roman army. They'd be sent to enemy territory in civilian garb as Mm -hmm. deserters or double agents in order to gain access to the enemy's military and gain information that would then be provided to the Roman army to help win key battles. Although early in the Roman Empire, much intelligence gathering was left to the gods and their prophetic oracles. Yeah, it was, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it was Caesar who actually took steps to use the Roman army as its intelligence gathering wing. Uh, he would have uh, explore, explorators from the cavalry to gather information or intelligence, and he would also employ couriers, the before-mentioned speculators, as Roman Mm -hmm. spies. Too bad his speculators didn't warn him that he was going to be stabbed to death by... Well, that's quite interesting and something I'd like to go and and research some more, that they could actually be part of, you know, a coup attempt of that kind of stuff. I guess you didn't check that. Yeah, I didn't didn't check on that, but it's something that, you know... We do now. The CIA has, has been outed multiple times for trying to uh, do coup attempts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, well. Yep. So I, I know this seems very brief. This mm-hmm. history's mysteries, and uh, like we talked about at the beginning, we have a lot going on. Yeah. But I did think it was very important to understand the evolution of intelligence gathering, and you know how thousands of years of war have created the intelligence agencies we deal with today deal with <laughs> yeah that's good that's a good term for yeah, it the way uh, you worded that is funny <laughs> now the romans weren't the first government to deal in deception all governments and all leaders are dealt with deception it's for, from the dawn yeah, of time some level of it. yeah but wow. honestly from the historical aspect they were one of the best to do it and that's why their empire lasted yeah you know But thank you for sharing. Is there anything else for the week? After that, I think we are out of time this week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, head over to Apple and Spotify Podcasts and give us a review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage on these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.